0: So welcome to this week's special edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications. And thanks always to our supporting partners, 3 X Logic, Mighty and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Nigel Williamson. Nigel's well known within the retail risk and loss prevention community, especially here in the UK. A background across numerous retailers, most famously, infamously perhaps, I don't know, uh, from Argos. Um, and latterly being the face of InstaEng. Um, Really a kind of, I'd describe, and I think they describe it as well as a sort of Uber, uh, or maybe we won't use the reference to Uber at the minute if you've been reading the press, a delivery of electronic security purchases. Um, And uh, Nigel was also behind um, the racing grannies and uh, a sort of disruptive style uh, of business for those that have been to retail risk events recently. The Dinosaur as well, I think, uh, can be credited for InstaEng. And most recently, um, Nigel went across to uh, the parent company, SSGC, as their regional manager. So, Nigel, welcome.
1: Thank you. Hello. Hello. All right. Now,
0: um, that's the sort of the, if you like, the regular intro. But the reason, um, and I'm delighted that you've agreed to be a guest this week, is that um, uh, for all of the wrong reasons, you have been uh, a LinkedIn celebrity over the uh, the past few months and um april the 14th your
1: world got turned a little bit upside down that's right and, and it was an interesting day paul because i was you know it was a normal working day day before good friday thinking about well, what's the easter weekend going to look like and about quarter to five i started a call very similar to this one with a couple of colleagues you know, a bit of a weekend handover, a bit of a wash up. Five to five, I'm sat there, and I, I got this real strange sort of tingling sensation on my forehead that started to creep down my face. And I'm like, guys, I, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't feel too clever, I, I need to get off the call. And um, I, I abandoned the call, got up, went into our front room where my wife was sat, and said to her, this I just feel really strange. There's something happening. And by this time, I'm starting to slur my speech, um, I lost really all sense of what's going on around me and where I was. And uh, I lay on the sofa and I just sort of w- waving my arms about and can't speak properly. She dials 999. Ambulance comes. I live in West London. Very luckily, within 10, 15 minutes, we had an ambulance. They established I was having a stroke. Within another 50 minutes, I was in Charing Cross Hospital, Completely shell shocked, not understanding why, how, what really had happened to me, um, and to, it's safe to say that turned my life upside down in a very, very short space of time. And and in terms of, uh, you know, the, there's a million and one questions, but I'm intrigued
0: at the start from a if you like a lifestyle perspective. Can you look back now and go, okay, yeah, maybe there was some questionable choices. Is this just one of those things that? you know, could happen to quote unquote anybody. What was
1: the was there any any signs that, that uh, no, no sign, no signs whatsoever. Um I had a checkup at the GP at the start of the year, you know, the usual thing, blood tests, etc. And and they found nothing. My MOT as she described it, and nothing untoward was found. Lifestyle, look, I'm I'm in my early 50s. Um I could probably do a bit more exercise. Um, but I'm not a big drinker. I haven't smoked since I was 27. I eat reasonably well. You know, I'm not a, a maybe a takeaway once a week, but not not an everyday kind of guy. So no signs, nothing, nothing at all, um, uh, uh, you know, literally until it happened. And, and, you know, and I think this is the the thing that shocked so many
0: of us when, you know, and you've documented um, some of the key milestones uh, of, uh, the stroke and, and uh, you know, the recovery, if you like, uh, along the way. And, and you've put them on LinkedIn uh, and the, sort of the outpouring of, you know, connections and uh, people that want to check in on you and asking what's going on has been phenomenal, I have to say. I mean, it's just, you know, just absolutely um, off the chart. And again, that's one of the reasons, you know, almost sort of giving an update. But, you know, sitting here talking to you now, um, you know, your recovery has been Spectacular, But I'm but I'm guessing there's a lot of hard work gone
1: in on your part yes. to get to this. I mean, a lot of people I, I meet who perhaps didn't know uh, or people that did say, to, you know, if if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. And I think it's important that I'm very lucky that there are no outward signs that I had the stroke. And it was a bleed, um, about 11 11 millimetre bleed somewhere at the back of my brain, a burst blood vessel. And the effects of that, that I'm left with still, my mouth's numb. So it's like I've been to the dentist and jabbed, perhaps waiting for an extraction or a filling. So I have to deal with that all the time. Um, And that means my mouth feels dry and my gums feel swollen, but I have full taste and I can eat normally, although it's perhaps not as as enjoyable. and then my left side, my left hand is completely numb in the same way as my mouth is. My arm's weaker. Um, and apart from that, now, there's not a great deal. And, and if I take back to when I came out of hospital, I had to learn to walk completely. So I couldn't walk unaided. I spent a week in Charing Cross in, uh, in West London, and they got me to the point where I could walk with a frame and then sent me home. So I've had to get back to to walking, to do physical upper body exercises, to deal with the arm and my my upper body generally. And I think the most important thing, Paul, is refusing to accept that my life is going to change for any great length of time. Um, I've been inspired by the amount of comments and the messages and the texts and the emails from people not just in the industry, outside of the industry, people I've never met before who've seen those posts on LinkedIn. And I think because I got the feeling that if it happened to me, it could happen to anyone, I wanted to share my experience. And if that helps someone look at their lifestyle or know what to do if it happens, then I think I've achieved something there, really. But it's hard. It is hard work. And I'm probably, you know, got some way to go yet. Um, The big news is I got in the car and drove yesterday for the first time. So I think it was 12 weeks on. I had a call with my consultant last week, and he asked me if I'd driven yet. And I said, well, I haven't. I was kind of really waiting for someone to to give me the okay to do that. And he says, if you feel you can, give it a try. I did, and I was okay. And that also is a a real big lift, a real buzz, and a real motivator to carry on that recovery and knowing that, this may all go away one day, and it may not. If this is the worst I have, I can live with that. But the rest of my life, going back to work and getting some sense of normality, it's important that that happens to me as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. And then you mentioned there back to work, and I'll come on to that in a moment. But I, I can't uh, go any further without bringing up Retail Risk yes. London uh, yeah. a couple of months back. And um, I actually think, yeah, for a moment, we thought uh, Britney Spears or Robbie Williams had walked into the building. That there, there, there was the most incredible crowd. So you turned up unannounced, I do know that, uh, and there you were, you appeared. I think you were using uh, just a small stick to help uh, oh, Steady sorry. at the time, but, but you arrived with a beaming smile.
1: Well, I live um, three stops on the tube from Hammersmith, the home of it, and it, it just felt... I could walk, I needed to go out accompanied. So my son had to accompany me on the tube because my wife was still not allowing me out on a continent at that stage. I think there was some fear I'd go on a West End shopping spree or something like that. So there's been a bit of control about what I could do. Um, but but having seen the build up to the event and all the posts on LinkedIn, not only the, the lead up, but the day of the event and seeing who was there, you know, there was an element of, do you know something? If I can, I will. I'm going to turn up there lunchtime um, and surprise everybody. And again, you know, that was as much for it was as much for me to feel I could do it. It was a huge achievement. But I also wanted to go and shake a few hands and thank a few people for their kind words and encouragement, which it's easy to say, Paul. But what a difference that made to me It made me feel like there was a lot to get better for. Um, you don't always realise you know in the workplace whether people really do or don't like you or how those relationships are in real life because we're all nice to one another at work but when something like this happens you get a true sense um and I was just completely overwhelmed so there you go yes I walked into to say I was mobbed <laughs> it was an understatement but it was great just so great to see everybody and tell the story and spend a couple of hours just being Nigel back again
0: I, I kind of feel we missed a trick there I think we you know if we dare underestimate the crowd i mean yeah god forbid it happens again but i would definitely want to know what walk on music you wanted and and get the dry ice ready as well so you know it it felt like that but it was amazing because you know a lot of people you know you compete head to head with tenders and some people are partners some people you just know from events some people are direct competitors but but it looked as if you know all 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 persuasions, walks of, uh, of of our community were there and they were they were genuinely pleased to see. I mean, a few were disappointed because that bugger's back again and he's gonna be going <laughs> up against me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's element of that. And it's definitely it was it was competitors, you know, people had been up against um, and and clients and former clients, just just contacts. I mean, you don't realize, I guess, over the years of you know, I think. I think so. I I got into that sort of profit protection, retail security world in 2007. And I can't remember exactly which was the first event I came to, but it was something I did regularly in my Argos time. Um, And therefore, when I joined InstaEnd, you know, it seemed a natural thing to persuade the guys, come on, we should be on the other side of the table here and and exhibiting ourselves at the event. And it's a great way to get our name out there and, and show what we're about. So I've been around the event for so many years. It just seemed the right thing to do, to come along and and be myself and it worked and it, it has done me good it did be, it was the first time I'd done anything um that wasn't a trip to the doctors the hospital or or parental stuff really so yeah
0: and and uh, you know so nice that uh that, that that you chose a retail risk event to to come and do it it's fantastic <laughs> and again you mentioned you know Argos there I mean you know people sometimes forget because you instantly became such the face of of insta Eng. I mean that that was just just epic in terms of the yeah you know, it, you know, it was like Nigel's business and I'm sorry to you know
1: <laughs> I'm sure Dave will love that but yeah,
0: you yeah pa- pa- sorry Dave yeah but uh, yeah I think that's why he p- pulled you back into the uh, parent company for for fear of it getting a life of its own but you did the whole Argos time you know retail through and through I think I'm all right in saying you were there with this whole sort of transition in Sainsbury's and it all came together. You know, that, that was your retail background, wasn't it? That,
1: that- exactly. So when I joined um, Argos back in 1994, it was a PLC. So we went, I went through the whole journey of, of, of a PLC being taken over by great universal stores, which was in about 98, 99, something like that, and becoming part of a much wider business. And I think you saw Experian come out of that as well. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on back then. It's hard to keep up with it all. And of course, as Argos sort of transitioned, and we went back to being a a PLC again, and then lo and behold, Sainsbury's came along with the checkbook, so it it really did go full circle over the years, and I worked in stores in just about every role you can imagine, up to an area manager sort of level on an acting basis from time to time, but... But interestingly, you know, the whole security and loss prevention thing was always something I was interested in. And retailers back then, a lot of the guys used to recruit from the from the armed forces or from from the police. And I was one of the first, certainly the first in, in the Argos business that had a retail background and had no formal. Um, criminal or investigative background whatsoever Uh, and and realized that you know you can learn all that stuff if you've got the right attitude and approach and of course I did so many years of regional to national I had a head office role for a year Um, and then Sainsbury's came along and everything changed hugely and after after 25 and a bit years getting put at risk it just seemed like time to go (laughs) and do something different now you know just before I'm too old and, and that, that change came about at not exactly the best time because we had a worldwide pandemic uh, literally kick, kick off about the week I took my redundancy check, but things have moved on since, thankfully. Yeah, and it's um,
0: yeah, the, it made me smile there, you know, 25 years of being put at risk. That is just the, <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that is the big corporate world, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it reminds me why I, uh, I left it uh, all those 20 odd years ago.
1: For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere anytime 3x logic uh,
0: and, and you mentioned now you know you're sort of starting to do uh, a little bit of a return to work I'm guessing I get the impression and, and the SSGC uh, have been super supportive and, uh, and, incredibly, and
1: you know incredibly supportive and uh... I'm not sure if the roles reversed, I'd have been quite so supportive by the way, but but it's something you you do as a person, you care about the people you work with and for. Um, And I was given time, just given the time to not worry about work, to understand that it's about me and my recovery and, and, and get a plan together. So I had an occupational therapist come from come round from the NHS. She was helping with my arm and my upper body strength. And we got talking about, about what a return to work might look like, you know, what my day-to-day is, what I did. Um, and given that I work from home, you know, yes, I manage a national team and a national operation, but most of it's remote site visits client visits, you know, colleague visits, but you can do the majority of it without leaving. And we put together a programme of, you know, a couple of hours a day to start with, phase that over four to six weeks and see how it goes, you know, increase and decrease as necessary. The GP signed it off. I put that down in front of the boss and um, absolutely that's, that's, that's where I am. And it helps because... After a stroke, there's a lot of routine needed. You have to kind of discipline yourself about getting up, about doing certain things, about when you're taking your medication because I have high blood pressure now and have to take regular medication for that. That's the same time every day. So I exercise the same time every day, try and eat the same time every day. And therefore those work hours are the same every day. And so far, so far, so good. I mean, I can't describe properly th- about the fatigue that you get post a stroke because there's tiredness and this isn't tiredness. I can't just have a couple of hours on the sofa and have a kip and wake up feeling fine. There's a fatigue that comes from exercising from walking that you can only really overcome by doing nothing. you know whether you're awake or not, but it's literally about resting and letting your body catch up. Um, and I'm not the kind of guy who wants to spend the day on the sofa um thankfully we've had some nice weather so i've had a bit of time on the sun lounger in the garden but but overall i just want to get up there and do it and it's frustrating because even weeding the garden we have a lot of bluebells when the bluebells were over i'd normally go around and pull the stalks up ready for next year i only do a tiny tiny patch and be exhausted and need to lay out for an hour after that so you know it's it's a tough thing to overcome but i know i can do it and i am doing it and um yeah it's important we carry on
0: and, and and we're sort of you know three and a bit months on now uh anyway, yeah uh yeah that and, uh, and and so a couple of hours a day what's your um in your mind what's your sort of plan if you like are we gonna is it to go full-time are you gonna build up to that and be quote-unquote back to normal where, where do you see it Nigel
1: well the way the way I, I the program set out at the moment I anticipate by the end of August being back full-time um without anyone knowing it had happened wow and that might be a stretch but you know if, if you don't have something to aim for um, then it, it becomes very difficult, you know. So I can look on the calendar and I can see where I am in that recovery process and know how I'm doing and how I'm going towards that. But equally, it's, it's not about doing too much too soon. So I do know that if I have to turn around and go, actually, I'm not ready to be back full-time at the end of August, you know, it, it could be September. But realistically, I've got a target that, that, that is about doing a bit more each day, a bit more each week, Until I've got my remit back, um, the guys are ready for me to come back and uh, you will talk to me or see me later in the year and think it's hard to believe Nigel had a stroke in April. Really hard to believe because it is about what you can do. And that's where my focus is, Paul, heavily on these are the things I can do. There are things I can't, but I don't want to think about them. You know, it's really about the future and about getting out there and doing it and believing in myself. And I think I've shown um, that I've got the energy, the enthusiasm and the belief that I can get better. And I have to say, it's been, um,
0: I don't think I've, you know, not wanting to be disrespectful for anybody else that, that sort of, you know, had a, an issue that they had to deal with. But, you know, there's been a bit of a journey that you've taken us all on. Uh Uh, up to this point. And I get the impression that that's going to continue. And it it really has, uh, you know, created a life of its own. And I know so many people are sort of willing you back on for that,
1: you know, that milestone. And it's fantastic, you know. I mean, I guess that I did the first post, I think, while I was in hospital. Um, I was on the ninth floor of Charing Cross, which which for anybody who doesn't know, isn't in Charing Cross. It's actually in Hammersmith and Fulham, which confused me when I went the first time. But I had a view out of my room towards the London Eye and and Big Ben. And on a clear day, with the sun shining could see all of that. And the first thought I had was. I'm going. I want to go to the eye. I want to go to Big Ben. I want to see these things. I want to be there again. And of course, I couldn't walk at this point. You know, I had no idea that I was going to be able to do that. And I took that photo and posted it on LinkedIn and and wrote a little bit about what had happened to me. And I just think that I got so many comments, so many messages and and, and so much feedback from it. I did an update later that week and, and it just got to the stage where I'm doing an update virtually every week. I'll try not to bore everybody if I haven't done anything, Um, but if I don't do it, I end up getting messaged by people. I haven't seen anything from you. Are you okay? You know, in the danger. I think they danger that I might have had a relapse or something like that. But you know, so so the LinkedIn story will continue probably up to the point I am back full time, um, because I hope that I can motivate and, and inspire anybody else who's ill. Who's not feeling themselves one way or the other? That you can get through it with the right support, and it's really important. It, it is, and you know, I've never seen so many
0: comments of a po- you know a, a man makes a post saying, "I've just taken six steps," yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <"Woo!" laughs> and off yeah. it went. Yeah, it was just incredible. And I guess maybe that the milestone we're looking for is when we get an update, which is just a uh, a company promotion. Or you know a plug or a piece of business, we go. That's it. You know, Nigel's not only back, but he's off and flying, and uh, and and now you know he's ramping up the touting for business
1: and uh, and pushing Absolutely. the name out there. I think that uh, you know back in. I think it was January, February, there was a press release the business did because I was promoted to national ops manager. Remember and that, yeah. A rather corny photo of me stood at the side of the car door in my suit. Well, it was raining that day. What I'm hoping to do is a similar picture. Here I am in my suit, ready to go, four, five, six months on. Um, normality has resumed. You know, I am back and ready to go. So, so, if anyone in HR is listening, Nigel needs a brand new, very impressive-looking car
0: for uh, for for about August time for that. <laughs> Just for the day, you've got to leave it on the driveway. Indeed, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? There you go, Come on. Um, Nigel, absolute uh, pleasure. I am thrilled to pieces, as I know are so many other people, with your super speedy recovery. Uh, long may it continue. If you find yourself in leicester which is uh we established before we counter is your hometown uh and mine as well uh, then maybe you can even uh, swing by retail risk less it would be of it would be
1: rude not to i think paul it would be rude not to so yes everybody should expect to see me in some capacity in october
0: and, and if and i'm sure you'll have a gazillion invitations but if i some miracle you find yourself without a seat at the fraud awards in the evening then you send me a note you can come and sit on the on the <laughs> retail great. knowledge table but i have a feeling we'll be about uh, 45th on the queue of people that will be offering uh, offering you a seat that night thanks thank you